Well, good morning. Good to see you. Hope you've had a good weekend and last week and ready to start a new one. It's always great that we can start a week assembled together here as the body of Christ and worship together and remind each other of why we are striving each day to live the way we are striving to live. And that is according to God's will. So it's always good to see you. I want to remind our members and certainly invite our guests that we have, this is the fifth Sunday, and so our tradition is that following morning worship, and Steve will probably elaborate a little bit, but we're going to have a potluck lunch. Well, I didn't bring anything. That's okay. Orrin's going to give up his portion so that you can have something to eat. So we invite you to come get to know us and let us get to know you. We're going to have a potluck lunch, and then we're going to have a devotional following that lunch, and then we'll have uh, be dismissed for the day. So I certainly want to get that out there in front of you, and I said Steve is going to elaborate a little more for us. You know, perspective is a funny thing. Perspective it can be shaped by your experience. It can be shaped by, by things that, that you've come across. It can be shaped by somebody who's influential to you. It can be shaped by your fears. It can be shaped by your tastes. Perspective is the way you see things in the world. And that's probably changed uh, throughout your life. You could probably think back of some... You see things differently now than you did, you know, months, years ago. And you will probably see things differently in the future. And so, for instance, if you think about technology, if you believe that technology in general corrupts the minds of our youth, then you probably, for you, smartphones and computers are evil. Of course, if you can't figure out how to change your ringtone, you probably think technology is evil. So that's a whole other thing. But someone who nearly drowns, think about this. I've known somebody who nearly drowned as a child, and they now believe every single body of water is dangerous. That's their perspective. They've had an experience that has shaped that perspective. And so, you know, do you think about the phrase, love is blind? Love is blind. Well, that's kind of a perspective saying because what somebody did for you or did for somebody you love, you think they can do no wrong. And so love is blind. And so that's a kind of a perspective. Your perspective is shaped by your experience and by your influence. And that's certainly how the Israelites found themselves under the wrath of God. It was a perspective issue there. And so the leaders of Israel had let their perspective be shaped by the influence of corrupt individuals. You had evil kings who reigned and raised sons to become evil kings. And so you had this pattern that formed. Before the first foot stepped into the promised land soil, God assured the people that if they obeyed His commands, what? They would receive His blessings. If they rejected God's commands, if they rejected His teaching, what would happen? They would receive curses. And so we find this early on in the record of God's people. And so it's, it, you know, when He talked about curses, it wasn't oogie-boogie-hocus-pocus sort of stuff. The way the Bible refers to curses is it's a concept of receiving negative or painful consequences based on a choice that's made. And that choice is going to be directly opposed to God's will. And so if you oppose God's will there's going to be some curses, some negativity that's going to come your way. It may be immediate. It may be in the future. But it's going to happen because we cannot live outside of God's will and not have some sort of consequences. And so in 1 Kings chapter 17, where we're going to find ourselves for the next few Sundays, you've got a, another evil king called Ahab. And so Ahab, what's going on here with him is exactly what we've been talking about here. Consequences and perspective. And so, Ahab, the Bible says, did more evil. How would you like this? Here is 
Here's an epitaph. Here's something to put on your tombstone. Here's something to be remembered for. Ahab did more evil than all the kings who came before him. Can you imagine that? He's worse than anybody we've ever heard of or ever experienced or ever known. That's how bad this guy was. And so Ahab married a woman named Jezebel. This sounds familiar probably to you, who was a Canaanite. And so Jezebel was raised under idol worship. And she was raised under these detestable practices that God had warned His people about. And so what was God's first command to the children of Israel? What was at the top of of the tablet? You shall have what? No other gods except me. No other gods before me. Nothing in front of me. Well, they changed their perspective. Somewhere along the way, they changed it. And true to His nature, God raised up a messenger to be a voice to His people. So we're going to begin in 1 Kings chapter 17 this morning. And beginning in verse 1, we read about Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead. He said to Ahab, said to the king, As certainly as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be no dew or rain in the years ahead unless I give the command. The Lord told him... Okay, first of all, so Elijah goes to the king and he says, Hey, look, here's the deal. You're you're not even going to feel moisture in the air unless it's by the Word of God coming through me. So he goes to the king and says that. Can you imagine this? The the king who is the, the, the evilest, meanest, wickedest, worstest king in the history of Israel, the prophet stands before him and says, here's how it's going to happen. So the Lord told him, hey, look, Elijah, leave here. You've got to get out of town. Get out of town and travel eastward. Hide out in the Kareth Valley near the Jordan. Drink from the stream. I have already told the ravens to bring you food there. So he did as the Lord told him. He went and lived in the Kareth Valley near the Jordan. And the ravens would bring him bread and meat each morning and evening. And he would drink from the stream. After a while, the stream dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, we talk about evil and we talk about culture and we talk we we put these big broad brushes on what we talk about and how we look at the way the world operates but here's the deal not everyone in the ancestry of evil of, of israel did evil not everyone who was an israelite not every child of god was doing detestable things did they not all of them fell into the trap here's elijah he didn't And so we we remember that. But see, here's the deal. Sin has a way of affecting not only the one committing the sin, but many and most times it hurts others who are connected to that individual who is committing that sin, the one who's sinning. And so the people are suffering because of and along with these leaders who are rebelling against God. See, a drought is coming. A drought is coming. In fact, a matter of perspective, a drought has already happened. A spiritual drought. The people, the land is dry. It's dried up for quite some time. This spiritual drought. Not just within the palace walls. Not just the kings who have been evil, but throughout the kingdom. See, here's the thing too. Sin does not happen in a vacuum. Sin does not happen in isolation. So God sends Elijah away. Go away. Far away. Not just from the effects of the drought. But He sends Elijah from away from any recourse that Ahab may take against him for 
being this doomsday prophet. And so where does Elijah find himself? Where did God send him? He sent him back to Eden, so to speak. Perspective. What's Elijah got? He's got fresh water. He's got food brought to him. Everything else is drying up around him. Compared to what all is going on everywhere else, this is an Eden. This is a perspective for him. So God provided Elijah an umbrella in the desert. He provided him an umbrella in the desert. Now, some of y'all need to take a deep breath because I've walked under ladders too, so you can pray for me. But I want you to think about this. God provided Elijah an umbrella in the desert. Why do I need an umbrella in the desert? How did Elijah find this place? How did Elijah get to the Kareth Valley? How did he get there? How did he find this place? He did it by listening to God. He didn't find it on his own. He did it because he obeyed God. God said, you go, and he went. And guess what he found? Exactly what God told him would be there. See, we find ourselves in spiritual droughts throughout our lives. We get caught up in the dust bowl of of consequences and life that sometimes is created by other people. How do we escape? How do we shelter ourselves from the effect? How do we do that? We do it by listening to God's instructions and obeying God's instructions. We do it by listening to His words, His words of life. And so what? So Elijah did what the Lord told him to do. Simple as that, right? Perspective. (laughs) Back in the desert, the king was trying to figure out how to fix all this. Which false god can I use, can I sum up, can I make a deal with to try to make this thing better? That's what's going on with Ahab. And so centuries later, the apostle Peter would proclaim what should be our only answer when we find ourselves in a desert. John chapter 6 and verse 68. As everyone, all the other disciples were fleeing, people listening to Jesus were fleeing, they couldn't handle what He was saying, Peter said, Lord, to whom would we go? Where do we have to go? You have the words of eternal life. It's Your words that bring life to us. Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. And so a name, this name given aptly by Abraham to the place where God stepped in and provided a sacrifice in place of Abraham's son Isaac. Remember, he was ready to do it through obedience to take his son's life and God stepped in and provided the ram for the sacrifice. Jehovah Jireh, Abraham says, God will provide. And so don't you think that Abraham was feeling the heat of a spiritual desert bearing down on him as they made that trek from camp up to the mountain, the place where he was supposed to to do this sacrifice as he made this trip? He felt the heat. And as he followed the Word of God, even as those words led him to a place of drought, of death, of sacrifice, he felt the heat. God never promises there will be no drought. He does show us, though, time and time again, that afterwards, He will bring the rain. Relief is coming. He provides an umbrella in the desert. Why do I need an umbrella in the desert? Because relief is coming. Relief is coming. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Before and since his time with Abraham, though, God has proven Himself provider for His people. And Elijah believed that God would provide. And so Elijah obeyed. 
And what? He was blessed. He was blessed through his obedience. And so in verse 6, 1 Kings, the ravens would bring him bread and meat each morning and evening, just as God said. And he would drink from the stream. Of all the ways, though, you think about this, of all the ways God could do this, all the ways he, he spoke the worlds into existence. Satan even tempted Jesus and said, just speak these stones and turn them into bread. God could have done this any way possible. He fashioned man from dust in the ground. He dropped quail from the sky in the desert of Sinai. He brought the manna, whatever it was, from the dew to feed the Israelites. He could have done this any way he chose. But he chose a raven. A bird, by the, by the way, that's expressly forbidden by God under the Mosaic Law. It's an unclean bird. An unclean animal. He uses this unclean bird to bring sustaining life to this man of God. Who decided that the raven was unclean? Who pronounced the raven unclean? Who made this decision? Doesn't God determine what is clean, what is unclean? Doesn't God determine what is right and what is wrong? The determination is not up to us. Some of you eat cow's liver. What is that? Some of you have picked your children's nose with your finger. I've seen you do that. What is up with that? Some of you eat with unwashed hands. What is up with that? None of us, none of us are in a position to determine what is clean and what is unclean. You know why? Because we have different perspectives. We see things differently on how that lies. God is the central determining voice of what is clean and what is unclean. He is the determining voice and the authority for all of mankind's actions. And so Ahab and all those before him neglected the people. They oppressed the poor. They cut them off from all the resources and provisions of the government. Yet God has sent His prophet to the Kareth Valley, a place whose very name means cut off. The people had been cut off from the king. So the king cuts off his prophet from the people to provide for him. And there God provides for his outcast. And Ahab and all of those before him lost their perspective and thought they were the authority. They thought they were the authority. So God brings Elijah an umbrella in the desert. And God provides through a miraculous act. And He reminds Elijah who is really in control of the world. And sometimes, sometimes God has to lead us through a drought to remind us who is really in control of this world and who's really in control of us. And God did not just provide, but He indicted those who were rebelling against God as even the ravens, ravens who were thought to neglect their own young to feed themselves. God chose them and used them to feed His messenger who is not neglected. Symbol of His people, His care and His provision, His intention for those who are obedient to Him and those who would follow Him. See, we've got, we got to stop telling God what He can and cannot do. And we've got to stop telling God what He should and should not do. I don't do that. Our perspective is all messed up. See, our perspective is distorted by sin. Our perspective is distorted by selfishness. Our perspective is distorted by other people who influence us. 
who sometimes are just out for themselves. Remember, sin has a way of not only affecting the one who's committing the sin, but also affecting all of those who are connected to the sinner. See, it's a wake effect. It's this wake effect. And so, after a while, the stream dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The drought finally reached Elijah's little oasis in the desert. Finally reached. And isn't that life? Isn't that how we find ourselves in life? At some point in time, drought will come. There will be a season of drought, which is why God provides us with an umbrella. Our faith. Faith is our umbrella that shields us, that reminds us, that, that, that carries us and whispers to us, rain is coming. Rain is coming. Relief is coming. Not when we expect it, not how we expect it. So we keep moving. We keep going forward. We keep following Him because in Hebrews 11, in verse 1, Scripture says, Now faith is the assurance that what we hope for will come about and is certainty that what we cannot see exists. I have an umbrella that folds up and sits beside my seat in my vehicle for days upon end, days upon days upon days. I step over it. I step on it. I knock it out of the car. Why do I have this? What good is it doing me now? Rain's coming. Rain is coming. Relief is coming. Did Elijah begin to have a little too much faith in that babbling brook? A little too much faith in those crows bringing him food? The brook dried up? I don't know. But it can happen, right? We get comfortable. We get cozy. We zone out of everything and everyone around us. We go and we hide in our own little Kareth Valley, sipping our cool water until the water runs dry, until the drought comes. God does not call us to be comfortable. He calls us to conform, to conform to His will, to be molded to His will and His mission and His purposes and His perspective. And Elijah remained at that oasis in the desert until until God needed him somewhere else. Yeah, but the brook dried up. He couldn't stay there. The brook was dry. So God couldn't keep the water coming if He chose to do that. The water quit moving because the prophet needed to. See, it seems God sometimes needs us to move. Figuratively and spiritually. Physically sometimes too. The, the, the life of a disciple is one of continued growth. Continued growing in Christ into the head who is Christ. Continued purpose. Continued motion. Remember what we learned in our study of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are His workmanship. His poem. His creation. His, his, he's fashioned us in such a beautiful way. Having been created in Christ Jesus. Why? To sit back and wait on heaven? For good works that God prepared beforehand so that we may do them. See, and God had a good work prepared for this prophet. So the drought came. What use is an umbrella during a drought? How long is it going to last? Where is God when things are so hard? Why does God remain silent when I'm suffering so much? Perhaps God's waiting for you to move. 
Perhaps He's waiting for you to move. Perhaps He's moving someone closer to you. Or perhaps He's trying to put some distance between you and someone else or you and some situation, some choice that you're on the brink of making. Perhaps He's working on someone to draw them closer to you as you walk through your drought. And perhaps He's there to protect you as His precious child. Perhaps God is preparing you for a good work that has yet to been determined or even imagined by you. Or perhaps, perhaps God is drawing you closer to Him, deepening your commitment to Him, strengthening your faith. In any case, rain is coming. Relief is coming. God has promised it. So you have an umbrella in the desert. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, we read, This is the conquering power that has conquered the world. What has conquered the world? Our faith. Our faith has conquered the world. Faith is enough to carry us. Faith in God is enough to carry us through every season of life. I know you weren't expecting a raven, but that's what you got. That's what He sent. That's where you are. I know the cool brook was refreshing oasis but now it's all dried up. That's reality. Now what? Ahab thought he was in control. But his false god, Baal, the storm god, by the way, could not even provide life to the land. But the earthly king of a farming society always stands at the mercy of a sovereign god. And so do we. Verse 9, 1 John 5, if we accept the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater because this is the testimony of God that He has testified concerning His Son. Verse 11, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. And the one who has the Son has this eternal life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have this eternal life. God faithfully provides for us, sometimes from the most unlikely places. How much more unlikely than giving His own Son to die for us. Not so that we can suffer and be miserable in our circumstances of life, but so that we can look each and every day at that umbrella and we can see and know and believe that rain is coming, relief is coming, and relief is even here, is present with us. And absolutely sure, famine is still all around us, encroaching upon us as many reject God. But see, we have a living stream. A stream that will never run dry. Whose waters never cease. We have the Word of God. Which feeds our souls daily. We have the Word of God that put on flesh and came to this earth and walked through the drought with us so that He could be our relief. And for today, it is enough. And for eternity in Christ, we will never be thirsty. We will never be tired. We will never be weary. We will never be overcome by sin again in Jesus Christ. But of course, that's a matter of perspective. Is that how you see it? See, God's given us an umbrella. It's called faith. And He's done everything that He can do and will do to instill that faith in us so that we can see it. And we can claim it. And we can hold to it. 
So I want to assure you this morning, just as your umbrella is sitting somewhere, not being used, it's not doing you a bit of good right now, is it? But it's there for a purpose. It's there when you need it. It's there to remind you that one day it's going to rain. One day relief is going to come. And relief is here today. So let me ask you, what's your perspective? How do you see yourself in front of Jesus Christ? Do you see yourself as washed in His blood? Cleansed from your sin? Do you see yourself as walking daily in the light as He is in the light, following His will? Do you see yourself as as being a beacon of light through which Christ can shine to the lives of those around you who are going through their own desert, their own drought? Is that how you've been living? If not, what's keeping you from it? Perhaps the brook is still fresh and clean and the water is tasty. Perhaps the ravens are still coming and feeding you. While someone else, a land away, is dying. You know, sin will keep you away from God too. Sin that we hang on to, sin that we become so comfortable with that we even forget that it's sin. We change its name. It's just the way I am. Use that phrase. What we forget about is we are supposed to be the way the great I am is. And so He calls you back today to repent of that sin for His forgiveness so that He can once again fill your life with His Spirit so that you can live each and every day bringing glory to God. And this morning, if you have not been baptized into Christ, if you are not a child of God, the water stands ready for you, for your decision, your commitment to put on Christ in baptism, to be washed clean, to receive His Spirit, so that each and every day you can carry that umbrella of faith with you as God walks with you in your choice and your decision. If we can help you in any way this morning, become more faithful to God or encourage you as you struggle with something in your life. We're going to stand and sing a song and give you that opportunity. Will you come now as we stand and sing?